0: Gemar Chasimah tovot to everyone. Good and happy year. This time of the year, perhaps more than any other time, is a time of memories. We had zichronot in the tefilot of Rosh Hashanah. We're going to have yizkor on Yom Kippur. We say zochreinu l'chayim. Remember. So I want to make mention of a very special person who all of us remember and whose absence is sorely felt. And then his Yorzeit is on Yom Kippur itself. And that was Marvin Stoker, Zechon Lavrocha, Mayor Ben Arya Halevi. I knew Marvin yet in America. And then I was really so happy that he joined our shul and he became one of the staunch levium in the shul. Marvin was very tall. He was a stately figure. And he was a fatherly, friendly, loyal person quiet and unassuming, but his mere presence told you that there was a special person here. The levim, as you know, some were Mishorim, who sang, who had beautiful voices, who had musical talents, and the others were Shoharim, the maintenance people, the people who took care of the Beis that opened the doors and closed it. Marvin was from the Shoarim. He could always be counted on. He was loyal. He was there every day. He didn't miss a minion. And he was always cheerful and appreciative. Such people are not found often. And our shul was enhanced by his presence. And we feel diminished by his absence. He and Fran were privileged to raise wonderful children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, again, families of levium. And that is the highest compliment that can be paid and the greatest achievement of a mission that all human beings can aspire for. So may his memory be a blessing for us, be continue to be a Melech for us, and that the Stoker family should be blessed with good health and nachat and accomplishment in the coming year and in all years. Also, uh, this program uh, is sponsored through the generosity of Rivka Zaploki. in memory of her father, Chaim Eliyahu Ben Yisrael, Ben Chana, Also, a generation that stood for things, that accomplished things, and that left a heritage. And we thank Rivka for her generosity and for dedicating this program to the memory of her father. Again, Chaim Eliyohu. Ben Yisrael, Ben Chana, the Yehei Nishmoso Tshurah Chaim. In the Besam HaMikdash, there was a red string that was visible from the Azora. The red string symbolized uh, the fact that sins impurities occurred within the Jewish world, and that they were almost daily occurrences because that's human life. There's no perfection in human life. No perfect people. So you had the red string. The Talmud relates to us, that on Yom Kippur the uh, Kohen godol sent the Soyer amishtaleach the animal that bore the sins of the Jewish people, the scapegoat, out into the desert to be thrown off of the cliff, that when that happened the red string turned white as a symbol of the fact that the sins were forgiven, and that, so to speak, we had to go ahead for a better year that would come upon us and all of Israel. This imagery is based on the famous Posuk in the Novi Yishayol, that we uh, recite uh, regularly. If your sins are as red as scarlet, they will nevertheless become white like driven snow. If they are red, as the worm, the color of the red worm. They will become white again, like pure wool. So I'm going to force him explain here a great idea. I mean, this is the origin of this uh, historical uh <clears throat> that the historical event that the red string turned white but the uh, the Musser those who delved into this uh said that this is the key to chuva the key to chuva is imu chata'echem kashoni if you're able to see the red string if you're able to admit that your sins are scarlet, in other words, if you regret doing wrong, if you're not proud of your misdeeds, if you're ashamed of them, then Katsemir you, I mean, then Kashele Galbinu, then they can turn white as snow. Because the first step is to be sorry. First step is to realize that something went wrong. If a person feels that never did anything wrong, so you can't do tshuva for what you didn't do, and therefore many times there can be a grave sin and the person is completely unaware. And we say that uh, in Yom Kippur, that we may be Yodim or below Yodim. That we did, be that we know it's a head below Yodim. We don't even know it's a head.
1: We didn't know that anything was wrong. We thought it was fine. We didn't realize that somehow my words insulted
0: someone. But we didn't realize that somehow uh, I acted in a way that was not according to halacha, or that my financial transactions somehow were deficient. I don't realize that.
1: I think legal is legal. So therefore
0: if your sins are to you scarlet, you see the red string hanging in front of your eyes.
1: So then there's hope. If you see that it's red like a worm.
0: So it'll be like wool, like white, white again. And that, Salda Novi prefaces this. God says, Come,
1: let's have a conversation. Let's talk it over. That's what Yom Kippur is. We're going to talk it over.
0: Did you do anything wrong? Not me. That's the end of the conversation. There's not much that can be said. If everything is perfect, what do you want
1: from me? So the
0: says to us, no, let us come and talk about it. If we'll talk about it, we'll see that things could be improved. That it was not necessarily perfect. That maybe you missed the point. Maybe you could have been greater. Maybe you could have enhanced the holiness that I wanted to bring from you. So that requires that Kashoni, that I have to see that there's a little scarlet in the string. Then it could be Kasheleg, then it can be white. But without that realization, we are really powerless to improve ourselves. There are people who are so convinced that they are right. We see that in the political world. We see it in the ideological world. We see it, unfortunately, in my opinion, even in the religious world. We are right. My idea is correct.
1: There's no room for any other idea. I'm right,
0: so then it, we can never uh, do tshuva. We can never come close to God. The Kavayochel says, "Let's come and have the conversation." I don't want to have a conversation. Conversation means there's something to talk about. I don't see anything to talk about. That's a fundamental human weakness. So I want to ask you, what is the greatest sin in the lexicon of sins? We're going to say, uh, you know, 22 times, we're going to beat our breasts. We're going to say, what is the greatest sin? So uh, some would say uh, it's the three main sins for which we have the halakha of Yaharog yavor, that a person has to be willing to sacrifice one's life
1: and not to violate those principles. So that's Avodah denial of uh,
0: the unity and the monotheism of God, of our belief. To kill, to murder others. And in that category, there are all sorts of murders. Gemara says, if you insult someone, you murdered him because the blood drains from his face. If
1: you shame him, I had a rebbe in the yeshiva that when he wanted
0: to, so to speak, reprimand one of his students, so he would wait till everybody had left the room, and then he would go in the closed closet, and then the student would come in the closet and the rebbe would say, Given Shane, it wasn't nice what you did. And nobody saw it and nobody knew about it, but I can testify having
1: been in the clothes closet myself more than once, you never did it again. Sometimes, you know, you can kill somebody with words.
0: And then there's Royos, immoral
1: sexual behavior. We live in a world that is a sewer. The, the the society is the sexual predator, its advertisements, its speech, its so-called humor.
0: So those are the three cardinal sins. All right, so we'll say, are those the main sins? Or the truth is, on all three you can do tshuva? We have in Tanach and Chumash, that for murder, Cain did tshuva. He killed evil, but Rabboni he, Shalom, he was Moda and he did, did tshuva and he, shiva sayim, you come Cain. Generations later, he still was allowed to function. So, murder you can do tshuva for. Avodah Zorah we see from the Malchi Yisrael.
1: So, they worshiped idols, but they did tshuva. You know, Menashe Melech Yehuda,
0: the Gemara says. So, at the beginning of his reign, he was the greatest Russia, and
1: he installed Avodah etc. And then he did tshuva. The last 30 years, he's a tzaddik. even on Gyui I think says uh, regarding murder, for instance, that Rish Lukish was a gladiator. The great Amora, Rabbi Shima Lokish, and he did Shuva and he
0: becomes the great Rosh Hashiva. And the same thing is on sexual acts. Modev Ozev Yerucham, it says in, in Tanakh. If you admit and you go away from it, then the Rabbanah Sholom forgives. But there's one sin that the does not forgive. And that's the top of the list, so to speak. And that's the sin of Chil Behavior or speech that brings about the desecration, the diminution of
1: God's name in the world or of the Jewish people or of Torah.
0: Through action or speech, hundred times a day. We have the ability to enhance. People will say, look at that Jew, what a wonderful person. In the news, especially in the United States, but here in Israel also, you read about terrible things that Jews did, and you keep on hearing that Jewish name over and over again. There's no Kaporah for that. So the Rambam and Hilchus says that for every sin imaginable, there's Tshuva. There's harota al-Ovar, and Kabola al osid. We regret the past. We accept upon ourselves we're not gonna do it again. And we're misvade. we say it, and we confess it with our mouth. Okay, and then uh, if it is sincere, then uh, ganola tshuva. Tshuva is so great it breaks through everything comes right to the Rabbonah Shalom, Shuvah Yisrael, Ada You don't need angels, you don't need, Machni Say Rachamim,
1: you don't need any of that. You're right to the Rabbonah Shalom, except for Chilal Hashem. The
0: Rambam says by Hashem, there's no Kapur, there's no chuva that will help. And the simple explanation that we can all understand is because Chilu HaShem affects so many people that I don't even know about. So even if the person that created the Chilu HaShem repents, but what do you do about all the other people that were influenced? You don't even know they are. The person will say, well, if that's the way, you know, a Jew behaves, then I don't want to be part of them. If that's the way somebody who says he is religious and he's a Torah, if that's the way he behaves, I don't want the Torah. How can you fix that? That's uh, in the words of Shlomo Melech. It's so crooked, you can't straighten it out. So therefore, there's no tshuva there. And that's a very frightening thought, because I think if we'll all think about our lives and our behavior, and even our immediate behavior, how did we behave in the grocery store three days ago? We'll see that somehow Chilu HaShem, if not rampant, God forbid, but at least it's present.
1: The possibilities for it are innumerable. However, there's a ray of light
0: involved in this picture as well. Rabina Yona Im Gurundi from Girona in Spain. So Rabbeinu Yonah Yona at the time of the uh, Ramban and the Rajbor. It was the time of the great controversy over the works of the Rambam. And during that controversy, uh, there were uh, people who uh, felt so justified in opposing the ideas the Rambam proposed, in some of his works, that they informed on him to the Catholic Church that his works were very anti-Christian. And the Church conveniently gathered up all the works of the Rambam they could find, and they burned them.
1: Rabbeinu Yonah in his youth was one of those who
0: opposed the Rambam. and uh, who in fact had traveled to a number of communities in northern Spain and in Provence, and held lectures and speeches against the works of the Ramba. What happened then was that, uh, the King of France, Louis the Ninth. you know once you start burning books, so there's a lot of books you can burn. So not only did he expel the Jews, but he gathered up all the copies of the Talmud that existed in France, and in France is where the main body then of the Balitosis were, Rashi's descendants, And he burned them all uh, outside the Notre Dame, uh, near the Louvre. And that was the death knell of French Jewry uh, for centuries. And it horrified the Jewish world. And there were great Jews that said, Heaven wanted to show us. If you want to burn books, I'll show you that you can that books can be burned. You burned the Rambam, okay. So now they're going to burn the Talmud. After that, you know the the next step. And if you burn books,
1: then you burn people. So Rabbeinu Yonah wanted to do tshuva.
0: He regretted what he had done and said. And he traveled back to every community that he had visited, where he had spoken against the Rambam,
1: and now he spoke in defense. And he said that he was wrong, and that, so to
0: speak, heaven voted for the Rambam and against the burners. And he begged their forgiveness. And he wrote a wonderful book that has survived till today. It's one of the four basic books of the Musar movement. It's called the Shari Tshuva, the Gates of Repentance. It's been translated into English and into many languages.
1: It's a book that should be studied. It should be studied. One of my... uh, Supreme experiences
0: in uh, teaching in the yeshiva that I had in Muncie in those 20 years was
1: that we studied and finished this book every day before Mincha, 15 minutes. And I have people
0: even today that tell me that that's what they remember from the whole years of education and all the Gemorys and everything. What they remember is Rabbi Yonah's Shari Tshuva. In the Shari Tshuva, he addresses the question of Chilu Hashem. And he says a, a great novel idea he said it with divine inspiration, but uh, we don't know the source. And he said that if a person is Mikade Shem Shamayim, if he does something that enhances the name of God in the world, if he does something positive, then it can cancel out the negative of Chil Hashem
1: and he won't be judged for being a Mahalo Shem Shammai. I remember
0: I was once in the post office here, when the post office still was the post office, and so then there always were long lines and this was at a time yet, uh, just to show you how long I'm here, that they didn't even have numbers. It was like the honor system to walk up. And uh, I remember two people got up at the same time. And one was an obvious
1: uh, religious Jew, and the other was certainly less obvious. And the religious Jews saw the other person getting up. So he sat down. Other people in the post office said to him, no, you were first. You go up. He sat like a stone, She smiled. And the other person
0: went up and took care of the business, and then he went up, and then he left. And
1: people in the post office said, wow, did you see that? He gave up his spot, even though he was entitled to it.
0: I don't know that Jew, but I suspected that since he was wearing the garb, and since he looked like that, he knew that if he took the spot, it could be Echil Hashem, even though he's right. So he sat down and smiled and said nothing. And
1: everybody in the post office was Mechad Hashem Shammai. So Yona said that
0: Kiddush Hashem will somehow
1: be Mechaper on Hashem. So that being the case, we have to always try to be Mechadosh Hashem
0: in our behavior, in our speech, in our actions,
1: and how we portray ourselves to others.
0: So I want to give you an example. Famous Gemara. There was a disagreement between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania. Rabbi Gamliel was a Nosi the descendant of Hillel, Reb Ben Hanani, the, uh, was in the, the, the pious Jew of the great Talmud Chacham of his generation. So the Gemara tells us three instances regarding them. Uh, one is that a, a Talmud came, a student came and asked Reb Ben Hananiah privately whether he asked Adam Meirev or not. There was a question then whether myriv was a reshus or a chova Is it something that's mandatory or optional? So we have uh, posken today that uh, even if it was at one time optional, today it's mandatory because the Jewish people have accepted upon themselves. But that was the question that he was asked. So we answered him, uh, it's not mandatory. Like, you don't have to daven marv. Somehow that got out in public, because everything eventually gets out in public. And when the, they were all in the Beit Medrash together, so Rem Gamliel said to him, Yoshua, stand up. I want to ask you, is davening marv a ishusha or hachovah? So he answered, it's a Chovah, no, it's mandatory. So he said, how can you say it's mandatory? I heard that privately you said that what? Well, that it's Rishus.
1: And Rabbi Yeshua had to admit that he had said it,
0: but that it is mandatory. That's one issue. By the way, the uh, Gemara there says that the Talmud was Rabshim ben Yochoi. Rabshim ben Yochoi Toroso Unoso. He was such a student of Torah, he didn't have to daven at all. The second story was there was a famous holy Jew, Rabbi Tzodok, who was a coin. And uh, he had a, uh, a firstborn animal, which has to be offered as an offering in the temple, unless it contracts a blemish. So the Gemara says that it was eating orim certain
1: barleys, whatever it was, and it cut its lips. So now it was blemished.
0: And Rabbi Sodok was the one that decided that it was blemished and that he
1: could use it, therefore. So he was asked, again, privately,
0: can a kohen decide for himself on his own animal, whether it's blemished or not? He's an Ogeya Bedover.
1: He's influenced self-interest. So he answered that it's a, he was a Talmud Chacham. So they
0: asked him, is there a difference between a Talmud Chacham and someone that's not a Talmud Chacham? Do we have a separate set of rules? And he said, yes. You can trust a Talmud Chacham. Someone who's not a Talmud Chacham, we can't trust them. Again, the story got out and he came in front of Ram Gamlil,
1: and he asked, did you say that? Is that what happened? That there's a different set of rules for
0: Tamlidah Chachamim than there is for the general public? So he said, no, I never said it. I denied it. So he said, how can you deny it? We have witnesses You said it. So again, they have to apologize. The third case is that Rabbi Yeshua figured out that the calendar Yom Kippur was supposed to come out on this and this day. And the Chachomim, the Sanhedrin decided to come out a day later. So Ram Gamliel said to him, on the day that you said was Yom Kippur, you have to come here with your wallet,
1: with your backpack, with your right, with your staff, to show that it's not Yom Kippur. And Rabbi Yeshua did so. And Ram Gamliel kissed him
0: and he said, you're my master, you're my Rebbe in halacha, and you're my Talmud that you obeyed me. What's going on here in these three cases? What is it about? Many, many interpretations, but I think there's one fundamental interpretation here, and that is that it's the element of Chilol Hashem here. People will say the separate Shilchanor for the rabbis we see it today, God forbid that to make the comparison, but you see it with the politicians, right? You're in a lockdown, but he's not in a lockdown. You're not allowed to do it, but he can do it. You can't go to the beauty salon, she can go to the beauty salon.
1: Two-tiered system of justice. The elite, they're different. Ram Gamliel wanted to eradicate that because he
0: said that would be a Chilu Hashem. We can t- trust Rabbi Sodok. There's no question he's not going to lie and do it wrong. But people will misunderstand. People will say that somehow it's a Chilu Hashem. And in a place of Chilu Hashem, we make no compromises. And therefore... Publicly, you cannot say there are two systems. You want to hold privately for yourself? For yourself, you can do what you want. But publicly, when the cameras are rolling, when you're being
1: recorded, which is today's world all the time, there are no two systems.
0: Everybody has to dom myers. Nobody can decide for himself whether there's a moon here or not. Nobody can say when the calendar is right or wrong if it's established, because that's a chilal Hashem. And when it's a chilal Hashem, we are not going to allow any leeway. And therefore, Rebbe Gamliel said, Rebbe Yeshua, when you came now on what you thought was Yom Kippur, that's a Kiddush Hashem. Because now you've reaffirmed the power of the Sanhedrin. You've reaffirmed the correctness of the calendar. You
1: made it correct. So that's a Kiddush Hashem. And therefore, I kiss you. And therefore, any attempt at the previous Chil of Hashem
0: is forgiven and forgotten. And we see that by Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu said to the Shalom, God, how can you do it? It'll be Chilul HaShem.
1: So God himself, so to speak, can't do Chilul HaShem.
0: So therefore he did the Kiddush HaShem that he saved Lot.
1: By saving Lot, it showed that a tzaddik, even being associated with a tzaddik, can save you. Even under worst of circumstances. Yonah in the bowels of the boat.
0: Where's Yonah running? I mean, Yonah's a navi. The, the uh, Medrash says that Yonah is... Uh, the miracle child that Elio Anovi revived. Chavakuk is the miracle child that Elisha revived and Yonah is the child that Elio revived. So here's a miraculous child who is a prophet of the Rabboni Shalom and he knows that he has a mission to do and he doesn't want to do it. He runs away. How does he do How do you mean he runs away? Where does he think he's going to run? But he's afraid that it'll be a chilev Hashem. Because what will happen is the people of Ninveh will do tshuva. The non-Jews will repent. And the Jewish people who have prophet after prophet come and warn them. They, They remain unmoved. They don't do tshuva. So he wants to avoid the Chilol Hashem. So he says, Tov Mosi Mechaia, right? I don't care about my life, anything.
1: Throw me in the ocean. I'm not gonna be part of the Khila Hashem. The Rabboni Shalom wants to prove to him just the opposite.
0: Look what a Kiddush Hashem Ninveh becomes. You go to Ninveh and you prophesied and you said, boyim yom ne
1: and the people did Tshuva and I saved them. Is there a greater Kiddush Hashem than that? And that's the story with the plant, with the gourd also. He's very happy because he has shade and it's cool. And when it's not there anymore, he complains. That's a chilul Hashem. What are you complaining about?
0: You you uh, you're worried about a, a plant Shebin uh, lila Hoya. It grew overnight and it disappeared in the
1: day, and that's it. And I shouldn't care about. Hundreds of thousands of people. That's the Kiddush Hashem.
0: So we see that that is, in my opinion, the key to Chuva. The key to everything is to look through all of our events with the lens and the microscope of Kiddush Hashem. And we have myriad ways to do so day in and day out.
1: To be nice to people, to be good, to be pious, to speak
0: softly, to control our base instincts,
1: to control our anger, to control our ego. All of that is Kiddush Hashem.
0: And that's the brocha that we make in the morning. Tirabonishhalom is his name. We have to imitate him and be his name as well. So I want to wish you all Simateva a good year. I hope it'll be a good year for all of us. It'll be it'll be with challenges. And the shul has challenges. Where, but uh, life is challenging. And we should always hear good news, and we should be and it should be very, very good for all of us and all of Israel and all of humanity. And I thank
1: you for listening. Good Chavez, good Yontiff.